This is an AMI podcast. I'm Dave Brown, and this is a podcast version of AMI's Morning Show, now with Dave Brown. Catch the live broadcasts weekdays from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern on AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. It's Friday, which means it is news panel time. Let's welcome back into the show, Joita Gupta and Michelle McQuig. Hey, good morning, Joita. Good morning, Dave. And hello, Michelle. Hello, Dave and Joita. So let's jump right into our first story. And we're talking about the national child care rollout. Ontario is extending the deadline for child care operators to apply for the $10 a day program and standardizing the process in an attempt to get more providers to sign up. The deadline has been extended from September the 1st to November the 1st. Education Minister Stephen Lecce says it will allow more operators time to make decisions following the good advice of many child care operators themselves and workers uh, is to provide more time so that we can incentivize as many operators as possible to participate because the bottom line for the premier and for our government is saving families money. Some operators said they want to sign up in order to issue rebates to parents but are hesitant about the implications to their business. And there's also issues for child care providers in the Northwest Territories saying they are hopeful that more support is coming as the program rolls out. The territory signed on to the $10 a day federal child care agreement last December. As a first step, it introduced a fee reduction subsidy to parents in April. Some providers are dealing with staff shortages and there is a lack of available space. Patricia Davidson is the chair of the NWT Early Childhood Association. Programs are having longer and longer wait lists, but no staff. I mean, we can't even think about extending spaces because we're barely able to staff the spaces we have. So it's, it's causing a huge dilemma. Davidson says she's optimistic support for child care staff is coming, but she says if it doesn't happen soon, many early learning and child care programs could close. Michelle, this is your topic. Why did it jump out to you? Well, a, we all know child care is a big and pressing issue, so much so that this particular plan to have $10 a day child care across the country was a real cornerstone of the Trudeau uh, platform the last election. And something that I think he's really banking on as part of what will be considered his legacy whenever he ceases to be prime minister. It's a very ambitious plan. It's a, it's a complex one because every child care situation varies by tra- province and territory and sometimes even by municipality. So it's a it is a bit of a get that, that the, these deals got inked in all 13 provinces and territories, but now we're seeing all these bumps in the road as it rolls out. Uh, the fact that it's happening in v- very different jurisdictions, Nova Scotia, Ontario, and Northwest Territories have wildly different needs and infrastructures. Uh, even some of the issues that they're facing are a little bit different just based on their local situations. Uh, speaks, I think, to the fact that this is a... It, <laughs> perhaps even more complex than the already complex plan that we thought. Uh, but it is an important issue and one that's going to have a lot of direct bearing on parents across the country. So I, I, I thought we might be able to dig into it as we're starting to see the realities of the situation kick in rather than just the political rhetoric. Joita, any surprises about these uh, early bumps in the road? No, I can't say that I'm all that surprised. Uh, when you roll out a new program, any new program, no matter how well you plan it out on paper, inevitably, reality tends to be far more complicated. So some of these roadblocks aren't really all that surprising. I think Michelle touched on some of the points earlier, which is that uh, the context is very different province by province, indeed municipality by municipality. But I also think the other layer to this is, at least if you look at 
uh, Toronto or Ontario, there does seem a lot, uh, there does seem to be an appetite from the not-for-profit sector to buy into the program. And so it is possible that given more time, and that is the purpose of this extension from September 1st to November 1st in Ontario, more of the non-profit providers will in fact sign on. It would be interesting to explore why the for-profit, uh, not for pro- uh, the, the child care providers aren't really buying in to quite the same extent. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's because they want to continue to make money. But um, <laughs> there's a whole other conversation here. But there aren't really all that surprising because it feels like in the rollout of this plan, it's very ambitious. It's clearly a legacy piece uh, for the Trudeau government, but it really feels like they're trying to, oh, I don't know, run a marathon without doing any of the, you know, prep work before that, or they're papering over the gaps. We know for a very long time that across the country, they've said there's a shortage of spaces, there's a shortage of trained professionals, and the wages are in the sub-basement. So without addressing those key issues, you can't really bring $10 a day childcare to parents, however much you may want to and however badly it is needed, unless you look at some of those underlying factors. Joita, you said a lot there, and I think there's a ton to unpack. And a lot of this does have to do with the way in which providers may have been engaged in this, whether it's because they were very happy to be, you know, charging tens of thousands of dollars a year to have spaces available for parents and kids. Certainly in Ontario, that was the case. And certainly I've heard experiences in British Columbia that were certainly the case. But as you mentioned, yes, some of them were extremely profitable and wages for their employees were still very low. Where have we heard that before? Where has where is, where is that become <laughs> yeah, a common right? theme? and so many things that we've talked about here. But Michelle, where do you think this left providers in the actual way this program was negotiated between the federal government and the provinces? Well, I think this is the really interesting thread here. And Joey has started to tug on it for us already. It does seem, and the message we're hearing and the issues we're seeing raised kind of back this up, it does seem like providers were largely left out of the crafting of the deal. And now that we're into the nitty gritty of the implementation, we're starting to see those bumps in the road along those lines. And providers are saying, no, we weren't really consulted. We're concerned about being able to keep uh, covering our costs because obviously the pricing structure and the, the pricing model is going to change dramatically for them. Uh, Joey had talked about already about addressing issues like wages, which was it's a major problem. So all of these issues come together to suggest that perhaps providers didn't have the role in this that we talked about. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense from a strictly political perspective, from a planning perspective, it, that's another story. But politically, This was really positioned, and probably smartly so, as a huge win for parents and talking about targeting parental wallets, cutting costs that have been exorbitant in many jurisdictions for decades. Uh, That is smart political messaging, but political messaging is not the same as the reality on the ground. And now that we're here, we start to see those issues. And actually, one thing that's been nice to see sometimes is that this extension, along with some in the weeds stuff about standards and standard agreements by municipality and a few other more technical things are among the things that childcare providers and operators were asking for from the province of Ontario specifically. And uh, this extension that Stephen Lecce announced earlier this week, and along with some of the other rule changes, actually do address that. And some of the providers have come out and said, okay, this is great. The government actually did listen to what we were asking for this time. So that does increase the odds that the sign up and the uptake for this is going to be a little bigger. Uh, But the, some of the lack of buy-in might also stem from this, the fact that operators did not have the same presence in the uh, in the rollout, for sure, and possibly in the planning as well. You, you didn't use this word explicitly, but it does seem there is some uncertainty in the rollout of the program. And I'm sure for people whose 
livelihood depends on this, they're not particularly interested in signing up to something that's uncertain. So I'm curious, Joita, is this something that perhaps over time is going to have more providers jumping on board as they start seeing the actual operational success of a program? It's entirely possible. Um, I think um, especially if they can manage to iron out some of the creases in the rollout of this program, especially addressing the funding envelopes. I know in a lot of places like the Northwest Territories or Nova Scotia, uh, many providers are worried that they're just not going to get enough of a funding envelope to be able to promise those rebates to parents and promise to deliver on the $10 a day childcare while also paying a living wage to their employees. I think there's going to have to be some hard work to look at the wage side of the the issue. Uh, But also, I suspect that as um, with a lot of supply and demand things, uh, once parents see that there is a good quality standardized $10 a day childcare option available, they will want to opt into that option, which may force at least, let's say, the for-profit providers to start to play ball. The concern that I have, and it kind of references back to the clip that we played off the top there, is are there still going to be enough spaces? And one of the caveats that I feel needs to be put in, because we didn't really see it covered in the news so far, but I was thinking about this last night, In the, to, the, to the point about consultation, we know that there are extenuatingly long wait lists, extensively long wait lists for uh, programs and supports for kids with disabilities. And I feel like in a lot of provinces, particularly in Ontario, consultation has been so surface level and or non-existent that I would be really concerned about the impact on parents of children with disabilities, whether that might be a population that inevitably falls to the cracks. So they're going to have to do a lot of work to make sure that nobody gets left behind. Yeah, that's uh, again a common theme. I think we're I think we're exploring some common themes here inside the specified story yeah. of consultation, yeah. exclusion of people with disabilities, low wages for workers, and how we get people involved. I I I agree with you completely, Joita, that once some of these spaces do become available and there becomes an actual market pressure, and parents are saying, "Wow, I do want to put my kid in this ten dollar a day program that exists," that will definitely change the equation. The, these for profit companies or private businesses are concerned about what opting in is going to do to their business, there may be a breaking point where it's actually what's the cost of opting out. And I think Mm -hmm. that's largely what's going to – I think that's what what will shift the sand. What do you think, Michelle? I completely agree with you. One thing I'm finding interesting, though, is where the resistance is coming from in terms of the buy-in. So using an Ontario as an example, for instance – in many, many rural jurisdictions, 100% of the child care providers have signed up already. It's in the cities that you're getting these pockets of resistance. And I think that speaks to where we're seeing it, uh, probably from the for-profit people where there's a lot more options perhaps than in rural settings who may be trying to weigh the cost. But I agree with you, Dave, that there, and, and Joey, that when the, like, there's... A, there's no way, I, I, there's no circumstance I can foresee in which parents aren't enthusiastic about this mm-hmm. and start to snap up the spots when they become available. Uh, so for those reasons alone, I suspect people are going to get on board. Um, and, and with these extensions, and if there is some greater clarity and some greater transparency, we might even see things in a slightly better shape than we're expecting at this point when, when things really do get going. Michelle, in your opening remarks, you mentioned legacy. And this already is being talked about as a Prime Minister Justin Trudeau legacy project, the $10 a day childcare that we've been talking about about for decades. It seems like yeah. he, along with the uh, Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland, really pushed this over the finish line. And you were asking the question, does this potentially impact his legacy or the legacy of the program on the early road bumps that we're seeing? 
I would say not at all. I would say if the program ends up being a complete and total flop, that imp- that impacts the legacy. But I don't think you can start making conversation. I don't think you can start making true analysis of a legacy project two months into the project. Joita, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's it is definitely a legacy piece. I will grant that. But I think it is too early to say uh, how these initial road bumps will. Uh, help to ascertain the value of that legacy. It, it is just two months in, roadblocks, as I said a few minutes ago, inevitable, you can't really get around that. It's going to happen in the best laid out programs, reality creeps in. Um, what I think I'd be very interested to see from the government is follow through. So, you know, uh, there was an, uh, there have been, the government has said, we're very happy that everyone's communicating and we want to address everybody's problems. Well, it doesn't cost anything to talk. But it does cost something to address the funding envelope and to maybe channel more money towards the program if that's what's needed. But um, And I said this about utilities uh, a few weeks ago, public, uh, about the need for public utility. Uh, so it will not surprise either of you when I come right out and say that I think we should also talk about creating a public sector option for childcare because you're going to have those private sector companies of providers that are just going to come hell or high water they're just going to want to opt out and that's going to create a shortage of space for parents looking for that cheaper alternative and so if you have a viable good quality public sector childcare option it will either force as i said a few minutes ago the private sector to play ball or at least it will provide options for parents who are already struggling with long wait lists so i would be very interested to see what kind of follow-through comes from this the other thing that i'd be very curious about is um for a lot of parents at least right now if you want a low barrier low cost option for daycare you go to unregulated providers you know so somebody's house and if you have i think three or four kids in toronto you don't need a license and we very often in the media will hear the horror stories about how things go badly awry in these unregulated and unlicensed daycare providers. My hope is that with bringing in this $10 a day option, it will either root out this underground unlicensed daycare option or it will encourage these formerly unregulated providers to uh, sign up and provide daycare in a, in a regulated fashion if, if that is fi- viable. But you know, but there's a, a degree of math that's involved and numbers that are involved and barriers that need to be taken away. So that, so that and, and we haven't really talked about this. It's often women who are the providers of daycare. And you'll forgive me for stirring the pot so early in the morning or so early in the program. But I think part of the reason the consultation was so shoddy is because we were talking about women, especially women of color and immigrant women providers. And this perception that, well, daycare, daycare work isn't real actual work and they didn't need to be taken taken seriously. So that's me with my hot, my hot take for the morning. <laughs> yeah, that is a hot take for sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how substantiated that is, but it's a hot take I for know. sure. <laughs> uh, I, I just, Michelle, I want to give you the opportunity on legacy here as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I will say oftentimes the, the stakes were lower, but any rollout of these programs are going to road bumps. Remember the first six months of cannabis slash the first like year yeah, of exactly. cannabis rollout? Like it was, it was a mess and that has been pretty much completely streamlined since then. So, you know, sometimes these take times, although again, childcare, the stakes are definitely higher than cannabis and you would probably want a better rollout on that front but michelle legacy <laughs> I, I with all of you i think early bumps are are inevitable and i don't feel these were predictable per se because the exclusion or the, the lack of consultation with providers uh, or what we suspect is a lack of consultation with providers does stand to potentially 
cause a black eye for this program down the road if these things can't be straightened out. But it is really early days. There is time for things to be straightened out. We are already seeing provinces trying to play ball to rectify some of this. So I do think it's highly possible for this to happen. But the stakes are really high. And the fact that a, a key group was uh, not necessarily given the weight it needed at the consultation level does pose a bit of a risk to the program. Overall, though, I'd say it's a highly, highly ambitious one. And the fact that it has come this far already already is a bit of a win. So I think the legacy at this point is uh, probably still intact, but time will tell. Yeah, I would, I'd, I'd say that if we revisited this, say, next September 1st or next November 1st, sort of a year beyond the official rollouts in a lot of places or the official starts in a lot of places, then we can really get a sense to see if the actual sh- sands have shifted or if it's still a total mess. So that's, I Maybe think... we I, should do exactly that. Yeah, I almost, mm-hmm. I almost think we should put a marker in the calendar and revisit this <laughs> yeah, one. Or, absolutely. you know, if, obviously if there's a major story that breaks during the year, we'll, we'll re-pick it up again. But I think to evaluate or even like start talking about real legacy stuff. That one's probably one that we need to put 12 to 18 months, uh, two years down the road. Or quite frankly, what another party takes over and if they just scrap the program, because that would be super politically popular. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like th- there's there's definitely some other political machinations that can play this down uh, down the road. Okay, guys, let's, let's leave. Let's not forget, though, that the Fed's hands are a bit limited as to what more they can do because they have a number of other quote-unquote legacy efforts that they have to get moving on, like the dental care program, like a pharma care program, and now they need the NDP's cooperation on side. Yeah. So I think it's going to now fall to the provinces to really straighten out what's left. Hmm. Where have, again, where have we heard that before? All these common <laughs> yeah, right? themes that have come up in the uh, first <laughs> segment of the news panel. Okay, guys, let's move on. You've been listening to Now with Dave Brown. Hit the subscribe button on any podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.